Welcome to the 100th episode of Power Tips Unscripted. Today, we welcome back our first guest ever, John Warlow, best-selling author of Built to Sell and The Automatic Customer. Did you know that 75% of founders who exit their company have regrets within one year? And only 5% of founders are actually happy with the net proceeds of their exit. John's here to explain why this is the case and how business owners can prepare for an exit with no regrets. And we'll hear his story in just a minute. You told me to go back to the beginning. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hello there. Wow, 100 episodes. Woohoo! That's it, the big hundo. Yeah, wow, this is very cool. <laughs> Who would have cool. known that we've been... That we would keep this up uh, for this long, and, and you know why? Not One me. of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons because we started it out with a bang. Yes, we did. You know, we started out with a best-selling author, somebody who really knows our business, our our small business world inside and out. Yep. You must always go back to the beginning. Yes. Who, what movie is that from? <laughs> you know the movie. Come no, on. No, I don't. Princess Bride. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The one that I saw for the first time, like, last year. So, yeah, well, yeah. there you go. There, there you have it. So, shall we kick it off? Let's kick it away. All right. John Warlow is our guest today, and he's an entrepreneur and an author with over 20 years of research into the small and medium business market. He's the founder of the Value Builder System, which aims to level the playing field for business owners as they approach their exit. And he was also a past keynote speaker for our Remodelers Summit which happened, I believe, in 2017. So we're really excited to have John back. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be with you guys. Oh, you bet. You know, in, when we first spoke in our very first Power Tips Unscripted episode, we talked about how to build your company so that it is saleable. So what we're going to be talking about today is sort of the other side of the coin. Once you sell, how do you make sure you're going to be happy with it, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, you know, our, our experiences there's sort of two sides to a to a successful exit. One is that the business is is ready to to sell, but the other piece is that the owner has personally done the the psychological work and the and the thinking that uh, that they are personally ready to lead their company. So there's sort of two sides to a to a satisfying exit. So so why do seventy five percent of founders regret their exit after less than a year? Yeah, I mean, there's a few reasons. Our research shows that one of the biggest is that, you know, they don't think through exactly what they want to do next. So a lot of entrepreneurs are, are are sort of interested in leaving their company or selling their company for what we call push factors. These are things pushing them out of their business. So it's like things like managing employees, red tape, government, uh, you know, legislation, taxes, all those things that are frustrations for owners they tend to be what we call push factors. And most owners approach their exit all push and no pull. And what I mean by that is that they haven't really thought through what's, what's next for them, what, what the pull factors are, mm-hmm. meaning what they're attracted to go do next, whether that's a new business, um, you know, travel. Most owners have this sort of vague sense that they want to take some time off and, 
and, and maybe travel a bit, but but the but that's a recipe for uh, regret. It's a it's a real adrenaline rush to run a business, and if you yeah. haven't got something really clear you want to go do next, mm-hmm. um, a lot of owners will flounder. And you know, I did a, a podcast episode just on Thursday last week about um, with an owner who ran a very successful company, built it up, um, sold it for $65 million, thinking that would make him happy. And he said on the episode, it did, it, you know, it did, it was the furthest thing for making him happy. Wow. He went through a period of, of real sort of adjustment and depression before he was able to kind of reconcile his feelings around the topic. So, you know, our moms and dads taught us that money don't, doesn't make us happy. And, and, and that is absolutely true when it comes to selling your company. Well, do you find that when um, entrepreneurs are going to sell that uh, they stick around? I mean, I thought that when a lot of entrepreneurs sold their businesses, they stuck around for two, three years to help make that transition happen and that that would keep them involved. Is that the case or am I incorrect? I mean, it depends who you sell to. So one of the most common ways that uh, companies are bought and sold these days is that they're bought by private equity groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those people will want the owner to stick around. The, the problem, though, is when a private equity group buys a company, they typically want to make changes. They want to, air quotes, professionalize the business. And so that means really changing a lot of the things the owner has put in place. And so that can be very difficult uh-huh. just because the policies are ones that they believe in because they wouldn't have put them in place. Right. If they didn't. And so that's hard. Individuals also buy, in particular remodeling companies are often bought by, you know, other remodelers or other, you know, individual uh, mm-hmm. buyers. And there the owner will typically have to finance part of the sale. So the seller will have to finance part of the, their, their exit. They're, they're in what, what I mean by that is lend, effectively lending some of the money to the new buyer uh, to for, so that they can they can afford to buy the business. The problem there is that as a lender, they're going to be tied to the success of their business in someone else's hands. The problem is that they can't control it anymore, and so that can be a, a tremendous sense of frustration, yeah. especially a very independent-minded, you know, swashbuckling, fly by the seat of your pants owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're used to controlling things, and all of a sudden they sell. A big chunk of their wealth is on the line, but they, they can't actually control the outcome. And that's a, that can be very difficult for owners. So if an owner sells his company, his or her company, and decides to leave, are there dissatisfactions more around the lack of, of personal vision, personal purpose, or around the dissatisfaction with proceeds? Well, it, it comes down to both. There's a there's a psychological factor for sure that they're not prepared just personally to go off like such an adrenaline high of running a company and then to nothing. It's a, it's a recipe for a sense of, 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 of lack of purpose and a lack of direction. Right. And that causes uh, you know, just detachment and depression. So there's, there's an element of, of that. Most of that can be solved, I think, by getting really clear on what you're excited to go do next, learn a new language, travel to Spain, get really clear on that. The other piece, though, is more commercial. It's just more practical. And that is what role are you prepared to play after you sell your company? And getting clear, first of all, what are the rules? So again, if you're going to sell to an individual, it's typical that you would have to finance part of that transaction. So one of the things you have to kind of get your head around is, okay, what proportion of my proceeds am am I prepared to put at risk, knowing that I won't control that outcome? Right. Um, you know, a lot of negotiations will go on. A lot of buyers will try to get you to put a big chunk of your money at risk 
In other yes. words, get them to lend you a lot of money. And again, that can be a recipe for a problem downstream um, because you don't control the business anymore. That would be and tough. You know, as a business owner, that would be tough. Again, in particular, a remodeling business, when in many cases the owner is the the epicenter of the business, they're the one clients know and trust and love. They're the ones whose name is on the door. I mean, there's there's an enormous amount of pride that goes into running a remodeling company and a sense of your own identity embedded within it. Um, It's very difficult uh, to, to divide yourself out. So what other mistakes besides, you know, what other mistakes do founders make when they're envisioning or not an exit? Yeah, I mean, the other one that we see a lot of regret around is employees, in particular, how employees are treated in the process of selling a company. So for a lot of owners, they treat their employees really effectively as family members. They, in many cases, they hire family members. And, and if they don't, they treat them as if they were in many cases. And as a result, uh, they have tremendous loyalty to those individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so they become very conflicted around how and when to tell their employees they're right. planning to sell. If you talk to an M&A professional this, or a business broker, and this, by the way, is where, where you know, what is right versus what is correct is actually kind of different. What is right, of course, morally, would be to tell your employees, right? They're the ones who brought you to the dance. But again, if you talk to a business broker, they'll tell you that that's probably the worst thing you can possibly do. Because when employees think their company is about to go out for sale, it causes all sorts of turmoil and oftentimes can, can undermine a deal getting done. Uh-huh. And so what you need to do is think through how you want this transaction to, be, to unfold for your employees. So, for example, where do you want to tell them? What message do you want to give them? Are there incentives you want to put in place for your employees to help you in the transition? Do you want to reward employees? None of these questions necessarily have a right or a wrong answer. I think that the only wrong answer is not to think them through. A lot of owners uh, I speak with for the podcast that I do will oftentimes end up regretting because it's like a whirlwind. The sale of a company is just thousands and thousands of documents and the last people that you really think about are the employees that you have. And you end up going through the transaction and at the very end, you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell them? And you haven't thought it through. You haven't put incentives in place for them. And and these people that you, you think of as family members are are all of a sudden shut out. And so the, the, the trick is to be really proactive and thoughtful about how and when you want to tell your employees what the message is, et cetera. Give me an example of what an incentive would be sure it could be as simple as stay bonus so you know a lot of people when they hear about you know you know participation or sharing equity with with uh, with staff they think of shares in the company but that's that's a relatively complex thing to do and, and oftentimes is, is 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 relatively worthless for the employee because until you as a private company owner choose to sell there's no real value in in, the, in those shares what what i would recommend people think about is a simple stay bonus, which effectively says that, you know, I'm going to sell my company. And, and if you're help, if you help me sell this business and we're successful, then I'm going to pay you effectively a bonus. And, wow. and I might, I might divide that bonus up into a couple of payments. One, you know, immediately after the sale goes through, the transaction goes through. And then another one, maybe six months later, another one, maybe a year later, if, 
that employee remains with the company. I see. Um, because, you know, when a company is acquired, as we talked about earlier, in most cases, the owner has some future targets to hit. Uh, oftentimes, it's an earnout if they're being asked to sort of stay on. And that, that, that owner is going to need their employees to achieve right. that. And so mm-hmm. a stay bonus can be an effective way to do that. Uh, but again, I wouldn't necessarily recommend owners share any information with their employees um, until they're really thoughtful about how they want to do that. If, if you're going to do it in advance of a transaction, you really want those employees to sign a confidentiality agreement ah. that they're not going to tell people about, about it. it it's, a, it's a very sensitive topic that you need to really think through carefully. So I know we talked about this a bit in our very first episode. We should probably put the link to that in the show notes sure. for this one. But if if we have listeners and they're interested in buying, or excuse me, they're interested in selling, which I know a number of them are, could you just quickly give us three top elements that go into a company that is sold successfully or into an owner's thought process? When they're selling yeah, I mean, their company successfully. The, the most important one, it's more philosophy than a tactic, but philosophically, your business has to run without you. In order for it to have what is called transferable value, meaning you could actually sell a company, um, it, it has to be able to operate without you. You know, look, most remodeling companies never sell, right? The owner uh, hangs up their shingle. At the end of the day, they say, okay, that's enough, and they stop working. There's nothing, there's no transferable value because the business is the owner, and the owner's the one that does all the work. The owner's the one that the customers see, and, and, and therefore there's no value. The, 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 the difficult thing that owners need to do if you're going to try to sell a business is, is make it run without you, which means that employees need to do the work, and employees also need to do the selling. And so getting a process in place so that you can get other people quoting jobs, mm-hmm. you can get other people selling jobs, and then ultimately other people delivering jobs, mm-hmm. um, that's really the only way you're going to create transferable value. That's, that, that would be probably the, the, the most important philosophical element. Um, the second I might point to would be the importance of recurring revenue. Again, not common in remodeling companies. Right. Most people will remodel a house and, and do it once and, and, and not again for many years. But what you're really looking for is, is some modicum of recurring revenue that will, that will be for a, an acquirer a sense of assurance that the business will continue mm-hmm. uh, after they, uh, the owner leaves. Um, and then the other piece is what we call the Switzerland structure, which really is is making sure the company is not dependent on any employee, customer, or supplier. So that means that you know you can't have all of your eggs in one employee basket. Meaning you, right. one employee knows everything, and, and nobody else can knows anything in your company. Right. Um, you can't have too much customer concentration. Meaning there's mm-hmm. one customer that generates more than. 20 or 25 percent of your revenue, nor nor supplier concentration, and supplier concentration is one that that oftentimes remodeling companies uh, struggle with because they have a couple of really good suppliers, right? Like right. if you're a carpet installer and you have one great supplier of carpet, uh, you're actually really exposed to that carpet supplier. Mm-hmm. And so, what you want to do is, if you can, diversify your sources of whatever it is you need to to purchase to to effectively do your job. John, so getting back to the regrets, what Mm -hmm. can a business owner, a remodeler specifically, do to avoid running into that situation where 
he's going to have regret over his decision to sell. Yeah, again, the first thing to do is really think through what you want to go do next. Let me give you an example because I, I think it's a bit uh, esoteric if, you, if I don't give you a specific example. Um, one of the guys I interviewed for my podcast, a guy named Sean Oshman, and he had an IT services company, which he decided he wanted to sell. He decided he wanted to sell because he envisioned a life on a sailboat. He wanted to live on a sailboat. He lived in landlocked Denver, Colorado, and decided, mm-hmm. I want to live on a sailboat by the time I'm 40. Wow. He, went, he went and sold his company uh, on his 39th birthday for around two times, two to three times SDE, which is seller's discretionary earnings, which is kind of like two or three times profit. And um, that's a pretty, like, that's not a really fantastic multiple. It's not an incredible event. It's not like going to get on the cover of a magazine or newspaper. But last time I talked to Sean, he's happy as a clam. Why? Because he got enough money to buy his boat and he's now living, sailing around the world with his fiance. Wow. Many of us think like the research that we do when we ask owners what their biggest fear around selling is, like 65%, 67% say it's not getting the value I think my business is worth. Hmm. And while, I mean, I run a company called Value Builder, so obviously I'm very attunely aware of and passionate about owners getting the value that they deserve. Having mm-hmm. said that, you can make all the money in the world and, and you still won't be happy unless you've got something really specific you're excited to go do. I mentioned earlier this guy who run, ran a, an IT company uh, in Toronto, actually, who sold it for $65 million. Um, he had not thought through what he wanted mm-hmm. to go do. He's in his early 40s, two girls at home, age four and six, I wow. think. Wow. Um, you know, like in the prime of his career, in the prime of his intellectual capacity, he's sidelined. He's, he's gone from running a rocket ship to nothing. Mm. And he said it was, it was really emotionally challenging for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, I think the difference between the entrepreneur who sold for 65 million, a massive amount of money who goes through this major period of depression with Sean Oshman, who sold for a relatively modest amount right. of money, but is, is beautifully happy as a result. So I think that's, that's that contrast, I think, illustrates it. So is it, is it you have to – I would assume a situation like that, it's kind of you're, – you're wondering if you should strike when the iron's hot kind of thing versus when you're ready. Is that a problem? Yeah. Well, the thing is business owners are never ready. You know, <laughs> business owners, if you, if you just canvas owners and say, hey, have you thought about selling your company? They'll, they'll, they'll usually say, yeah, within the next uh, five or so years, I think I'm going to sell. Mm-hmm. Come back five years later and they're still five years away from <laughs> selling. So they will, they will do that until they go out boots first. <laughs> it's just the, it's the way it is. And so um, that's fine. Uh, but if you, you know, if you want to have that be your legacy, then that's totally acceptable. But if you, if there are other things you want to go do, then, then you've got to, um, think through how are you going to actually exit this company? Well, John, hopefully you don't regret coming back on the show because it's time for the lightning round. Aha! I've been told and warned about the lightning round. <laughs> and now here's the remodeler's advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Okay, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I am. Indeed. Go. Other than yours, what's your favorite business book and why? Small Giants, Bo Burlingham, uh, focused on, on building great companies, not necessarily just big ones. If you weren't helping business owners, what do you think you'd be doing? 
I would love to be a 60 minutes correspondent. I love when they get into the used car dealer and they like put the screws to him about rolling back the odometer. Love that. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Anything mechanical. Light bulbs are about my threshold. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? Car, for sure. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your memory? What was the question? <laughs> that was my answer. <laughs> if there was a movie produced about your life, who would play you and why? Oh, God. So this is embarrassing to admit, but people have actually confused me with Doogie Hauser, which, like, which is like the worst comparison to Bob Oh, he was kind of cute. It's true. So maybe uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, yes. Yeah. What was your favorite sitcom growing up? It wasn't Doogie Hauser. <laughs> yeah. I love Three's Company, Valerie Bertinelli. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I had a crush on Valerie. For oh, sure. yeah. Good deal, man. I agree. Well, John, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on our 100th episode. Woo! It was fun for sure. Now, before we let you go, though, I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Revenue is vanity. Value is sanity. That's six. So I'll just drop the is. There you go. So explain that to us. The idea that you can build a big business, but if it's dependent on you personally, it's not worth very much. Whereas, by contrast, you can build a very small business, but if it runs without you, it could be worth a truckload. That's right. That's awesome. So, John, if people want to learn more about you, your books, or the Value Builder program, what should they do? Where should they go? Yeah, head over to builttosell.com. And that's where I publish all the episodes of my podcast, more than 200 interviews with business owners who have sold their company, all the tips and tricks you can nice. imagine. Nice. Uh, you can subscribe and get a new episode every week. Awesome. Good deal. Great. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. For sure. Cool. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate it. Now you're kicking us off for our second hundred. <laughs> yeah. awesome, guys. We'll, call you at, we'll call you at 200. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thanks. Thanks, John. You know, it, was, it was great having Doogie back on the show. Yes, it was. <laughs> you know what's really interesting? The whole conversation about knowing what you're going to do after, having a vision for life after your business. And you know why it's particularly interesting? Why is that? Well, because I've been reading this book. Oh, jeez. Here we go. <laughs> the book. It's called The Blue Zones. These people who, in all these different little pockets of the con- of the world, that live beyond 100 years of age. And one of the factors... For almost all these different pockets, like one's in Japan and one's in Greece and one's in Portugal and one's in the United States and yada, yada. One of the main contributing factors to their long life is that they have a purpose in life. Whether it's a lot of it goes around family, some goes around religion, some goes around helping their community, but they all have a purpose. And that sort of ties into this. No wonder people get dissatisfied and depressed and regret their decision if they don't have that purpose in life well i'd say it 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 becomes part your company becomes part of your identity yeah you know i mean so many people it's like oh it's steve Mm -hmm. you know the remodeler right john the plumber it's it's kind of part of who you are yeah so then you give that away you've given away a piece of yourself and if you're not prepared for it it can be a shock to the system for sure i get it well, I think that part of the making it not be part of yourself and so ingrained into your personal identity is making it 
workable without being workable around you. So I was just on the phone just a moment before we started this with an owner, one of our roundtable members, who's doing a very large amount of revenue. Mm -hmm. And he had a personal crisis. He was out for several months. And the company went on without him. And when he went back to the business just a couple of months ago, he told them he does no longer want to have a day-to-day role. That mm. They need to keep the company running without him in that day-to-day role. So he is already starting to remove his identity or separate his identity from that of the company. It's interesting. Well, you know, it's funny because actually last week, the 99th episode, um, Monica was mentioning because of... Yes. of- you know, the, the cancer and all that. But when she got better and she came back, she didn't have a role. Right. And she struggled because yeah. it was kind of, she didn't have a place anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, different circumstances, but the the same kind of principle there right. of, of losing who you are and what you're, what right. you're doing. Right. So mm-hmm. it was good. Fascinating stuff. So that was an awesome hundredth episode. We want to thank you for being here week in and week out, hopefully for all 100 weeks. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you for 101 and beyond. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was was cool. (laughs) This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about roundtables our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.